Welcome to Envision, the podcast to travel to new terrain into the world of possibilities, where conversations with visionaries, their experience and their imagination take place. We explore ideas and desires to widen individual vision and expand the collective together. Let's imagine a new world and speak it aloud, letting that vision become our inspiration to create it. If you're here, you believe in the power of transformation. I am Aurora Morfin, and I am so grateful that you're here. Hi, Joanne. Welcome to Ambition. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. I'm excited. Uh, let me introduce you. Joan Price is an author and a speaker who calls herself an advocate for ageless sexuality. She has been called senior sex expert, the beautiful face of senior sex, and the woman leading a sex revolution for seniors. She has an award-winning blog about ageless sex that has heard and helped tons of women. For 15 years, Joan was a widely publishing health and fitness writer. After a profound, joyful, and extremely spicy love affair, their passion, in contrast to society's view of older people as sexless, led Joan at age 61 to write better than I ever expected, straight talk about sex after 60, to celebrate the delights of older life sexuality, that is one among many of her books. John Price travels nationally and internationally speaking about ageless sex to wide and diverse audiences. Welcome, John. Hi, Aurora. So glad to be with you today. All right, let's dive in. I usually start asking my guests, you know, just travel time. How was the world like from your child's perspective? I want to understand, you know, how did you grow? What were your beliefs about sex back then? When you first asked me that, I thought, oh my gosh, a child, I'm 78 and a half years old. And then I thought one thing as a child, long before I was even aware of sex, that influenced me in a roundabout way was that my parents who had standing in the community, my father was a doctor, they were always telling me to behave, to follow the rules, not to draw attention to myself. <laughs> they could see me now. I have no idea what they think, but they would have to change their ideas because from a very early age, I was impetuous and self-empowered and I wanted to do things my way, whether that meant sneaking around so no one would know I was doing them my way or sometimes deliberately flaunting my, my own way of doing things and understand I wasn't trying to be a bad girl. I wasn't a bad girl. I didn't see anything wrong in my way of looking at the world, but I had to also fight what I was given growing up in the 1950s, for one thing, and the limitations on authenticity, on women especially, and certainly on sexuality. So as I grew into my teenage and then adult self, in order to empower myself sexually, which I did with uh, resolve, <laughs> I had to say, no, what I was taught does not serve me. Mm. Flash forward to the work I do now in helping older people empower themselves to live authentically and sexually vibrantly, whatever their age, whether they're my age or older or a little younger. I am always asking them when they say, oh, but I was taught that dot, dot, dot. And I'll ask them, but does that serve you now? And very often they'll go, no, 
it doesn't. So that's a roundabout way of asking your question. No, it totally makes sense. And explain me, I mean, what I'm curious now to hear is like, because I'm hearing that you had this inner capacity to just believe in what you were feeling and listen to your body and but at the same time you know trying to fight what it was given or the frame that you were born into I mean there's like a huge bridge from where you were at where you are now in the sense of now you are promoting you know like an ageless sexuality yes and I'm I wonder what are the beliefs that have helped you create the world that you live in now? Ooh, well, that's a fascinating question. What beliefs help me create the world I'm living now? That the best we can do is examine what is really authentic for us to claim that, to live that, to dare, to risk expanding the boundaries that we were given as long as it does not hurt anyone else, as long as it does not put ourselves in danger that would not be easy to get out of. I mean, there are different levels of danger, of course. I really respect people who are groundbreakers. They don't have to be rule breakers because sometimes the ground they're breaking, there aren't any rules for. And the rules are put in place after they've broken the ground. And other people say, you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> I'm thinking of people like, like Betty Dodson, for example. She was a groundbreaker, and she was breaking rules that hadn't been invented yet. Uh, she's one of my idols. I don't aspire to be her. I aspire to be the best of me, to use my skills, my, you know, the brain I was given that I maybe didn't earn. I just happened to be blessed by it. And so to use it in service of helping people in this little narrow path I've chosen, which I think I can do well and do thoroughly. We can't, all, we can't address all the ills of our culture, but we can all find some way that we can talk out loud, live out loud, and help people do that for themselves. I guess you touch upon something that it's really important, that it's expanding. And as you said, like doing things but many times you don't even until things come up you know and of course sexuality it's a very taboo topic in different cultures it's approached in different ways but in general and since it's a taboo sometimes it's something that in my case I can just say you know it was I didn't have the vocabulary I didn't have the words to even talk about it it was just such a thing that it was so far away of my inner experience or no let me correct that because it might have been part of my inner experience but I didn't know how to put it in my outer experiences because I didn't I wasn't instructed properly if you will so I guess that's a part that how can you push those limits or expand into being brave on doing some other things if you don't even know that exists mm. Yes. I think we can expand the boundaries even when we don't know what is beyond them by saying to ourselves, well, how does this serve me? How am I the better person or the more empowered person or the more self-fulfilled person if I obey these rules or if I don't obey these rules, if I observe these taboos or I don't observe these taboos? Now, taboos 
I think, have two functions, maybe more than that. Maybe you'll add more to that. One function is to keep us safe. Another function is to hold us back. Mm -hmm. Now, the, so many of the taboos that we're given are designed to hold us back. Mm. We can create our own safety net with many of these. Now, I'm not saying break every rule just because it's a rule or break every taboo just because we're told not to do that, but really to look at why am I being told not to do that or taught not to do that? What is there about it that is good for me? What is there about it that is holding me back instead? Totally. And I hear you about like being curious within yourself yeah. and within your feelings and emotions. And if I'm doing this, how am I feeling? Is it aligned? Because I do believe a lot in aligning ourselves, like what we feel, what we are, like our emotions, our own body is telling us like go or not actually. Yeah. So it's paying attention to that. And I want to insert something here, lest it sound as if I'm saying just be selfish in the world because it could come across like that, but that's not what I meant. I mean to see myself as an example, as part of a bigger community, a community that I want to hold up to. It's not that I'm just trying to raise myself. I am trying to raise, I have values that include humanity and compassion. And I try to live those values. And within living those values, are there things that hold me back that have nothing to do with those values that are just plain holding me back where I could do better if I said, listen, I'm just not going to listen to that. I'm going to go forth in my own way. And I find, I don't know if it's ironic or if it's just the natural way of things, that the more I push past what I was taught I should think or do, the better I do serve my community. Oh, I hear you. And you touch upon my next questions, which it was about values, because I totally believe about finding and being clear with what we value. And that is a, like a compass yes, to help us, you know, take action. And every action is just like, is it the yes? Or if it's a no, or what is this that I'm feeling? Is there one belief that you have consciously changed that radically has shifted your life? Yes, what being old is. <laughs> I created the hashtag land of old, just <laughs> actually because my senior mind needs ways to keep track of things. And so when I'm tweeting and my Twitter handle is at Joan Price, sometimes I'll just have a thought about aging and I'll put it out there and do hashtag land of old. And I find people really like to hear this because we've all been younger than we are now, but none of us has been older than we are now. Mm -hmm. And so if I say I'm coming to you from the land of old to tell you that this is my experience, not saying it is my whole generation's experience, it isn't, it's my experience. And people often respond to that. They just want to, they want to know, because who, who knows? We don't ask old people. And I don't mind the term old, so I'm using it with great affection and identification. We don't ask old people, how do you feel about that? What do you look back on now? What do you wish, what taboos do you wish you'd broken earlier, if any? Oh, I think we should ask old people that all the time. And we should learn from that. This is sort of part of that question, but it's the other way around. I give many talks to um, people my age and a generation younger or older, but I also have a new talk that I give called 
what I wish I'd known about sex and relationships when I was your age. Mm. And I give that to college students. I recently gave it to 200 college students. I did that digitally. I'm still not ready to um, travel, though I'm hoping to do that very soon. Ah, but I gave this to 200 college students. And so much of what I was talking about were really things that I had to learn the hard way by going through it, by not having any good instruction. For example, how do you get over a breakup? How do you deal with your first breakup when you thought, oh, I'm in love for the first time, this is going to last forever, and then I get dumped, or it is not no longer a good relationship for me? How do I wrap my brain and my heart around that? How do I keep from being broken after being broken up with? And that was something that the college students really wanted to hear about because they, you know, they're given this goal of finding true love because they live in the time they're growing up in rather than the time I, I grew up in. Uh, they don't have a problem with having sex that isn't committed. That's not one of the hangups that I grew up with. I mean, that they don't have the hangup that I grew up with. I want to say it that way. But they're really stuck in this what if what I thought was true love and I gave my heart, not just my body, I gave everything. I told all my secrets and it's over. And what is that saying about me? And am I doomed never again to love and so on? I mean, we look back now and we see, although some of us were in long-term relationships lifelong, but most of us were not. We lost people, we dumped people. We were dumped by people. We tried something and it didn't work out. And as I see it, this is all great. Mm. This is all the kind of coursework you don't get in college. <laughs> this is how we can say, here's what I learned about myself, what I need going forward. Here's what I learned about the kind of relationship I don't want. Here's what I learned about the kind of relationship I do want. Here's what I need to grow. Here's the kind of person I can be with or the kind of relationship I can be in next that allows growth for me. Because so many relationships that start out as, ooh, I love the person you are right now, but I don't want you to change. Mm. We're going to change. We're all changing. We have to change. We need to embrace change. It is part of life. I hear you. Oh, you took, it was so juicy what all just you said that I, I have so many different routes to go. But one of them is, I'm going to ask you, you know, what are the taboos that you would have broken earlier? <laughs> <laughs> that it's wrong to have sex before marriage, that it's wrong to find pleasure in sex, that it's wrong to go after your own pleasure, that... Um, Sex has to be one thing that has to be penis and vagina intercourse, PIV, as we call it in sex educator land. That, I mean, I was going through some things I even learned later in life that I, I gave up on. That an erection is necessary for great sex. No, it isn't for either partner. That there's one kind of sex that's foreplay and the other sex is the goal. No, it's all sexual pleasure. It's all sexual expression. I would completely redefine how we think about sex. Mm. How do you start to open up to new possibilities in the terrain of sexuality? 
one way was to break rules mm -hmm. and to become in my 30s and 40s, uh, as I think of it as sort of a wild child, really exploring everything. I wanted to try this. Okay, I tried it. I didn't like it. Okay, I don't have to do it again. I did like it. I'll do it some more. Mm. <laughs> you know, that was just this wonderful way that we can explore by exploring. Then another thing that I learned, and this was a harder lesson for me, and I think it is for most people, how to communicate about sex, how to ask for what I want at this point in my life, how to express what I need, because I, I have to say now, my body works this way, and this is what I need. I learned to do that, but that wasn't an easy thing to learn, um, especially growing up in the 50s. There wasn't even anything about women's sexual pleasure growing up in the, in the 50s, except that when we were married, we were supposed to suddenly magically have orgasms through PIV. And if we didn't, we were frigid. Mm. That was what we were taught about sexual pleasure for women. Now, you see everyone listening to this understands, oh, my God, of course, that's destructive because only 20-25% of vulva owners reach orgasm through penetration alone. That's it. The rest of us need clitoral stimulation. At my age, we need vibrator stimulation. I mean, there's so much. I guess I'm going to interrupt myself by saying another thing that I learned that I teach is that our learning is never done. We're never done knowing how we work sexually because that changes, our bodies change, our minds change, our relationships change. But also because something that maybe worked for us in our 30s and glory, hallelujah, figured it out, <laughs> may not work after menopause, may not work at 70, may not work at 85. That doesn't mean nothing will work. It means we need to always be open to what I call a journey of exploration mm. to see what works now. That's for any gender. Um, penis owners need to learn to rely less on their penis, take the focus off their penis, and put it on giving and receiving sensation in whatever way. There's so many ways to do that. And vulva owners have to learn to express what they need for orgasm, for arousal, and for orgasm. Not be shy about saying, hello, Meet my favorite vibrator. This is what I need for orgasm. We can do this as a threesome. You, me, and my vibrator. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> so we're, in other words, we're breaking the rules, not by saying no to things as much as saying yes to new things. Mm, totally. I, I love that you clarified that because when we say love, like breaking rules, it sounds like, you know, going all the way to one extreme and just being more radical or something more extreme. And actually, as you said, it's just taking little steps in saying yes to opening yourself to new things. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. And to opening the interaction with a partner, if we happen to be with a partner, and obviously great sex is possible without a partner, and maybe we can talk about that too. But if we have a partner, we are expanding the relationship, not tamping it down, not denying someone something by saying, can we also try this? Mm. I think I'd really like this. Can I 
try doing this with you. Can you try doing this to me? Mm, yes. You touch upon many things again. You're like covering so much and it's juicy. One thing is like the pedestal of putting like long-term relationship as the good ones, as the valid ones, you know, as if you are not in a relationship, you cannot have a sexual life or you have to hide, hide it somehow, you know, or there's so many things to talk about. Well, I have two things to say about that. One is that solo sex is real sex. This is how we learn how our bodies work. This is how we learn what arouses us what gives us pleasure, what brings us to orgasm. This is how we know then later, if we happen to be in a relationship, what to ask for, what to say. It isn't even a room to say, do you mind if? It's not that, it's this is what I need. This is what brings me pleasure. Here's what I'd like to show you about what works for me. But then the other thing is, you said long-term relationships, and you're right. We really fail by making that the goal. For some people that works, they're in a long-term relationship. It only works if they continue to reinvent themselves as they go. Otherwise, it does stagnate. They may stay in it or they may get out of it. But just because someone's been married 50 years, that doesn't mean they've achieved something better than, say, someone who has been in 10 different relationships over 50 years. A short, some, I like to quote Dan Savage on this. I love Dan Savage. He says such wise things in a clever way. And he says, just because a relationship ends doesn't mean it failed. Mm. Every relationship ends until one doesn't. Boom. <laughs> Boom, as Boom, you say. right? Yes, yes. A short-term relationship succeeds if it brings you pleasure, if you learn something about yourself, if you learn something about relationships, if you get to the next stage of what you want or decide, no, that doesn't work for me anymore. It, maybe it didn't before either, and I didn't know it. It's great if the parting is amicable. I really hate the idea of ghosting. I think there are so many better ways to do that. Uh, especially being honest. You don't have to be cruel to be honest. You can just say, um, this was great when it was great. And I think it's time for us to move on. Thank you for the experience. Thank you for all I learned. And if it's appropriate, you can even say something. I learned dot, dot, dot from you. And I will take that with me. Mm -hmm. And there are really nice ways to break up with people. But just because a relationship lasts only six weeks or six months or six years, it didn't fail. And even if we do not want to be in a monogamous relationship, that doesn't mean our relationships, that we're not capable of a committed relationship. We can be in a committed relationships that are consensually non-monogamous. We can polyamorous or the occasional um, lover on the side, or just even if we do nothing about it, knowing that it's agreed in our, in our relationship that should we want to, we may, <laughs> we might not get around to it. <laughs> yeah. It might not be a priority, but just knowing that no one is telling us we can't do something is a whole level of acceptance. Yes, yes. And I think that is key because 
sometimes we have this aiming goal and we miss so many things in the way and the journey it's it's here uh whatever it's happening around you know and taking that experience in and learning from that whatever that might be or how long it might take or it might last i hear you you're so right um we lose sight we lose the pleasure of the journey by being focused on the destination you put it beautifully exactly exactly and the other thing that I want to highlight is you mentioned, and I think it's key too, in the sense that not everything is for all the time. No. Like recognition of we are changing constantly. Every moment, our cells are literally changing. And by consequence, everything, you know, and we need different things at different stages in life. I love that. That was beautiful. Thank you. What would you tell your younger self what would you tell her? Be fearless, mm. know thyself, and don't assume that what you know is what's going to last. Be open to change, explore, try things, keep yourself safe. When you want to explore something brand new, ask yourself first, am I making a decision that will lead to consequences that are permanent? And if so, think of a different way to do it as one idea. We didn't have good birth control when I was growing up. We didn't have reliable birth control. And so when, although we wanted sex to be spontaneous, it couldn't be if we were to avoid pregnancy to the best of our ability. Mm -hmm. But that didn't mean we couldn't be sexual. It just meant we had to be knowledgeable and careful and try not to, <laughs> to put ourselves into uh, a situation where the consequences would affect the rest of our lives. But for those who did that, I mean, there are people who did get pregnant, who did um, get into relationships, say, that turned out to be destructive or even toxic or dangerous. You know, when we're following our hearts, we do make decisions that we didn't realize what the consequences might be at the time. So then you start from where you are, make new decisions. Mm. Don't stay with something because you're already there and it might be difficult to do it another way. Embrace the difficulty as that was, that'd be something I'd tell me on yourself. Embrace difficulty. Let me ask you there something. What are your beliefs around safety in the terrain of sexuality? I'm a big proponent of safer sex of barrier protection um, of and I have a free a free webinar that's online. It's a video called Safer Sex for Seniors with Joan Price. And I try to make it funny. I've been told I did make it very funny. So look that up. <laughs> it's a lot of fun because often, uh, particularly people in my age group, we think, oh, but if I can't get pregnant anymore, I don't you need to use barriers or we'll look at this grandfatherly looking person I'm about to get in bed with. Surely he, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't have STIs. We need to educate ourselves. We need to assume that we need to not only assume, we need to state uncategorically that anytime we're in a new relationship, we will use safer sex barriers. And we will continue to use them until such time as we are in an exclusive relationship that is looking like it's going to go on for a while. And at that point, 
we can get tested and proceed from there. But I would, when I give this lecture, which I give a lot to everybody who listened to me, I say, when you're in a new relationship, which would you rather say? I have always used barrier protection with every partner, and therefore we're using it today. Or, well, I didn't use barrier protections with the last 10 partners, but uh, it's probably a good idea. I mean, really, <laughs> let's yeah. just have that policy, put it into effect. So there's that for safety. There's all kinds of safety because you didn't specify which. Uh, another is first dates, first date safety, because I also teach people about uh, dating. I have a webinar, how the heck do I date at this age? And I don't like to try to scare people, but there are some rules for safety. Well, there are things to look out for. If someone is not, is wanting to talk to you online and trying to take a relationship to the next level, like I love you, or let's, let's have uh, chat sex or whatever they want to do, yet they don't want to meet you in person, red flag. Mm. I think we save a lot of time if we meet people in person quickly, because no matter how long you get to know someone online only, you can't know whether there really is chemistry until you meet. You can't know whether someone's going to dominate a conversation and bore you to death <laughs> or interact with you in a dialogue that sparks your brain. You can't know that until you meet. You just can't. So I'm all for meeting early, but meeting in a safe place, meeting in a public place, meeting during doing an activity that you enjoy doing anyway, so that if you don't like the person, you haven't wasted your time. You had your hours walk in the park, for example. Yes, I hear you. And I was going to ask you, what have you learned from inspiring ageless sexuality among seniors? Oh, I am so grateful to the people, my readers and my uh, audiences who give me feedback and tell me that some of the things I taught them just had never occurred to them or that had occurred to them, but they didn't dare. And then they took that leap and it made all the difference in their lives. And I, I mean, they made me cry with some of the messages they send me and some of the things they tell me. And so what, what I've learned is, first, we're all different. There are reporters who will say, what do seniors think about this? Or what do seniors need for that? What position is best for seniors? Come on, people. Just because we're old, it doesn't mean that we aren't millions of different individuals. <laughs> you can't say, what do seniors like to eat? <laughs> <laughs> How would that make any sense? And neither do the sexual questions. But what I've learned beyond that is just how different we really are. Mm. When I wrote my most recent book, Sex After Grief, I included my own grief journey, but also knew that wasn't enough. I'm one person. I had a lot of experiences to talk about, but I did it my way, which wasn't anyone else's way. And one of the main points about coming back to sexuality after losing your beloved, which is what this book is about, is that we all have our own timeline. We all have our own way of doing it. We all have our own wishes and needs and pleasures and setbacks. So I also included a number of stories from other grievers who told what their experience was like, often very different from my own. 
And I did that in Naked at Our Age too, which was my second senior sex book. And it won multiple awards. And one reason was because I had, um, I had 145 different reader stories about this with their sexual questions, the kinds of things that led up to that question, what their experiences were. It's just fascinating reading to hear how just because we're all the same age-ish, the same generation or two, we don't experience the same things. We may have been taught even the same things. We didn't come out of it the same. So I'm always learning from my readers and my audiences, always learning. And I love that about my work. That makes me so happy. Yes. Sharing experiences is like the best way to learn from each other. Yeah. Because it's what we really need beyond these generalizations about like, this is the way for that. And as if everybody will be the same. Thank you for that. What or how have you embodied your learnings? Be more specific about that question. How have you, I mean, and I might anticipate and think that it might be through practice and going through, but it's like everything that you have learned in every either relationship or with yourself about sexuality. How have you been just like bring that into your body and make sure that like it's there? I learn from my body and my body learns from my brain. Um, I don't teach anything that I haven't either experienced or gathered enough of other people's experiences to know is valid. Um, I am always learning and changing. Um, I have been through many different kinds of relationships. And I try to look at each one as what can I, what am I learning from that that serves me that that will help me grow and help me be who I fully am? What can I give to this person from what I know that will also help them? And, and then, I mean, I don't want it to sound as if I'm always, oh, hold on, we can't do that yet. I need to take notes because I may do a webinar on that. <laughs> it, it isn't that at all. <laughs> Although we do talk about that after sex sometimes. <laughs> hmm, Let me take notes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you should. But I take from my own past relationships and present relationship, the kind of learning that I can, I can not only be a better person, a fully realized person myself, but I can extrapolate what other people might be able to use from that. Mm. There's always a thin line, how much, how many, what personal details do I disclose and what do I keep to myself? And there's also that thin line between the 99% of people who read me and listen to me, who treat me with great respect as an educator, and that foul 1% that, um, that, that I have to put in the creepy folder <laughs> in my email box. Um, <laughs> and there are some of those. Mm. But I learned from that too. I, okay, how can I rise above that? Because it, the creepy ones do creep me out. But then I look at, wait, this is one creepy person and 99 wonderful people who do tra treat me with great respect. Now, for example, to give an idea of the details to disclose or not, I review sex toys from a senior perspective in my blog. And everything I talk about, you can find at joanprice.com. There are links to all these other things there, joanprice.com. But when I started reviewing vibrators from a senior perspective, it was because I earnestly felt and even and believe even more now 
I guess, 15 years after I started doing that, that the older we are, the more we really need that extra power and sensation of assisted sex toys. And it can be a vibrator, could be a dildo, could be whips, blindfolds. I mean, there are really no limitations. But for me, a vibrator is essential these days and has been for more than the last decade. So I need to be upfront about that because I think that my experience is reflects many people's experiences that they may not want to ask about. They may think, for example, I can't have orgasms anymore because the way I used to have them doesn't work anymore. Whereas if I can shout loud enough about vibrators, maybe they'll say, well, let's see what the magic wand or the WeVibe womanizer can do for me or the hot octopus curve. Um, What can these do for me? Let me just give that a try. And oh, my God, look (laughs) what just happened. So there are ways like that where I feel if I wanted to hold back uh, that kind of information, I would be doing a disservice to the audience that I claim to serve. And also, I know that you were involved in fitness and movement yes. uh, for a while and for a long time. I still am. And I guess I want to just connect that to how important it is to keep that because I see you and I mean that vitality and the energy and radiance that you have is just like, oh, yes. And I'm sure it's not just sexuality, but it's just like a complement of like the way you're living. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Thank you for saying that. Yeah, this is a really big part of my life is to be physically active all the time. I was for a time a health and fitness. I was an aerobics instructor. I was a health and fitness writer for, I don't know, 12, 15 years. I lost track of how long I did all these different parts of my life. And it is easier to keep going than to start. But that doesn't mean you can't start at whatever point you are. And we all have different kinds of limitations. The older we get, the more these limitations interfere, whether it's um, my hip aches, my knee hurts. Um, In my case, I was uh, in a near fatal automobile accident at 35. And I um, I lost the mobility in one ankle. And I also had much pain. I mean, it was smashed. My foot was crushed. Uh, I've been through numerous surgeries. I've been through this and been through that. I was uh, so lucky that just in 2015 or 16, ankle replacement surgery became possible for me. Mm. But all this time, whether I was on crutches, whether I was walking with a limp, whether I was using a cane, I was always exercising. I started exercising in the hospital when I was... (laughs) I had, I had a cast on my leg, a cast on my arm, a neck brace. My whole face was wired because the steering wheel had crushed my face, all the bones in my face. I was walking on a platform crutch because I had a broken wrist, so I couldn't, you know, hold the crutch normally. So it was strapped onto my arm. And despite all that, as soon as they cleared me to do this, I got out of bed and I paced the hospital hall back and forth from my room to the nurse's station and back again. And then people would look at me through their room and so they would get up and they'd say, oh, well, if she's walking around with all of those injuries, 
what am I doing in bed? And so they would hobble out and join me. And soon we were a parade. <laughs> so from even that point of almost dying and knowing I almost died, it was no secret that I almost died. I, you know, it was very clear I had uh, life-threatening injuries. But from that point, I learned, and this is one of those things about breaking boundaries. I was told, you'll be able to walk, but maybe not normally or without pain. And I said, I don't care about walking normally. I want to dance. Hmm. And this is how I've lived my life. I went, I started teaching aerobics after that accident. And now I teach line dancing. I've been teaching line dancing for 25 years. And when I'm on the dance floor, it doesn't matter what else is going on in my life. It gives me joy and I can give that joy back to other people. And what more can we ask for from life? But yes, my sexuality would not be as vibrant as it is if I didn't continually work my body to the best of my ability all the time. I'm always out walking my little country lane if I don't have another kind of exercise to go to. I love Pilates. I'm dancing all the time. We have to do whatever it is we can do. And just because I do one thing doesn't mean I'm said that's the secret to, uh, no, you find what you will do, what you enjoy doing, what your body will let you do and do that thing. Mm, thank you. I'm so touched and actually very, you know, it's just inspiring and very contagious, the energy that you have. And I'm just like now excited. Yes, let's age and let's keep dancing. Yay! <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I want to be mindful of time and I would ask you. From your perspective and experiences, how would an ageless sexuality world would look like? If you have like a magic wand to change the world, what would you do? I have several magic wands, but that's not the kind you mean. <laughs> um, yeah, I wish I had that one magic wand that would change what I call society's ick factor, mm. which is the idea that we age out of sexual pleasure and sexual desirability. And the most destructive part of that is not just how younger people see older people, it's how we see ourselves. We internalize this view of ourselves. We wanna cover up. We don't want anyone to see our wrinkles or sags or bags. If we have sex, we want to do it under the blanket in a dark room with all the, the shades down and maybe in flannel. No, celebrate these bodies that have the capacity to give us pleasure lifelong. Let's rip off that ick factor and embrace that we are sexual beings lifelong, as Joycelyn Elders, another one of my idols, says. We never lose our capacity for sexual pleasure. Mm, yes, yes, yes to all of that. Just to finish, if I could give you a permission to sleep, what would you give yourself permission to do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> all these things are hitting my brain and I almost don't want to say them because I think, no, not that, no, that. that. <laughs> I mean, one of them that hit my brain that I said, no, not that was, I want to live longer than I probably will. Well, I don't know how long that's going to be. So that's a stupid request. I want to be healthy 
for as long as I can be until the very end. Well, I have no control over that. I have limited control. Being always exercising my body and my brain is the one thing I can do. It's the best thing I can do for that, but still no control. It has been such a pleasure to have this conversation with you. So juicy and full of many beautiful things and a lot of wisdom. Thank you so much. If you have anything left to say. I would hope people will visit me at joanprice.com. I have a free newsletter. That's one way to get in touch and be aware of the different things going on. Uh, news and views about older age sexuality. I want to thank you for asking such amazing questions that led to me going on and on and on. And we probably could have gone all day. So thank you for reining me in. This has been a great experience for me. And I hope your listeners enjoy it. I'm sure they will. Thank you, John. Thank you. I'll be revealing a line being's opening towards the end of the month. You'll be hearing more about it and all the details from me very soon. So if you are not in my email list and you want to hear all about it, that's the best way to know it. Go to the show notes or in my Instagram bio or my website, auroramorphine.com to join my email list. Yes, Align Beings is coming and happening very soon and I'm eager to tell you all about it. Ciao for now and meanwhile you are invited to envision and take action. What can you do today to create the world that you want to live in?